And I've entitled this morning's sermon, The Importance of Not Falling Over. Hey, that's even better than pithy little nuggets. And it was, it started a lot bigger. My guys on the preaching team will understand what I'm saying. It started a lot bigger, and then eventually I had way too much stuff. Hey, Chris. And then I had to, like, kind of cut it really down. And I've had to leave a whole bunch of stuff out, which maybe one day in the future we can preach and whatever. But today, I want to talk about this thing of the importance of not falling over. You know, when we look around the world today, our way of remembering moments or capturing moments is very much around social media. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like, as soon as something amazing happens, Facebook, Instagram, come back from a holiday, like, and you have those people who think that literally they'll upload like 50 photographs from their holiday in Australia, and then, um, <laughs> and then think we're going to look at all of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I must be honest, I don't ever look past the first three. I'm like, oh, whatever, you guys suck, you know. <laughs> Show-offs, flexing like your wallet, whatever. But we put it, we post these things up, and that's kind of how we make memories, how we remember stuff, right? We do a, a big thing about it. And there's kind of this whole um, brand of people that have developed in the last few years called influencers who their whole thing is to post this sort of... Um, picture-perfect life. You know, it always seems like they're on a beach somewhere, they're tanning by a pool somewhere with a pina colada. It's like life always looks, they're always in a private jet. They, like, life is always amazing for them. And it's just these snapshots, one after the next, of these incredible moments that their life looks like. Kind of making these memories, these perfect memories. Um, in, our, in our country in modern day, um, one of the ways we also remember these big moments is by public holidays, right? Three cheers for public holidays. <laughs> yeah. So we've got Youth Day and Women's Day and this day and that day and the next day and whatever. And I often wondered to myself, does, is there a critical mass of holidays? Because more and more stuff happens that's memorable. So do we keep adding? So like in 2,000 years, if Jesus hasn't come back, like the whole year is just public holidays. Or do you, is there a critical mass? And, and we go like, sorry, ladies, we're going to have to ditch Women's Day because this happened. <laughs> it's International Olympic Day or whatever the thing is. But there's these moments that we have. And in the Old Testament and in the, and in the New Testament, in the Bible, they also had a way of making these memories of establishing a memory in people's minds so that they wouldn't forget what God had done. Because it is unfortunate that to us as human beings, our forgettery is way more better developed than our memory. Because just like that calendar I was talking about, about adding new things all the time, eventually what happens is new stuff comes in and we go, well, I don't have enough space. We don't mentally think about it, but I don't have enough space to remember stuff, so I just start shunting stuff out the back door to remember the, the new stuff. It was a Middle Eastern tradition back in the day to put up standing stones. They would put these like massive stones up. I read this thing. I used to think, because it often mentions it in, in the Old Testament, I'll give you some references now, but I used to think they would throw a whole bunch of pebbles till eventually they made a pile of pebbles so that when the kids came and said, why is there a huge pile of pebbles here? And the parents would say, well, this is where God did this. And they were able to remind their kids, because remember, there's no Instagram, there's no Facebook, there's none of that stuff. But I read, um, doing some research, like a research guy, although many standing stones were simple and small, archaeologists uncovered several impressive, impressive stones at Talgiza. The stones were probably put in place before 3000 BC. 
It's a very, very long time ago, right? They weighed more than 25 tons each and stood 20 foot tall and were sunk 20 foot into the earth. Okay? They were probably brought to Giza from a quarry about three miles away, which is amazing. But they would put these, like, why would they go to all this effort? That sounds like a lot of work. Not so much nowadays with our equipment. But if you think back then, like, what would it have taken? What's so important about putting these things up? Well, it was so important to memorize what had happened there. And I was thinking to myself, do you think the influences back in those days, you knew it was their house, because if you went outside, there were just all these, like, stones in their garden. Stonehenge was probably where, the, like, the biggest influence in England lived, in the middle there. Sorry. But, but these, setting up stone pillars was an incredibly important thing that the guys would do to remember the good works of God, because life happens so quickly. Life rushes past and it becomes a blur. I remember Amber saying to me the other day, Amber, my daughter, she said, Dad, sometimes it just feels like every day is the same. It's just the same thing over and over. And that's coming from a 14-year-old. You know, already they're just starting to feel that. In Genesis 28, Joseph, uh, Jacob set up stone pillars at Bethel to remind him of the dream he had in which God reaffirmed his covenant to him. Jacob has this dream of this going up and down, this angel going up and down the staircase, and God reaffirming the covenant to him about Israel. In Exodus 24, Moses built 12 standing stones at the foot of Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments. Maybe not everybody knows this, but there were two incredible miracles of God parting the waters. One was when they left Egypt, but the second was when they entered the Promised Land and the Jordan stood open. As well, as the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, Moses is like, listen, God's told me if you walk in there, it's just going to stop. And they're like, you're asking us to step into like this crazy river with a giant box made of gold and all these other, the heaviest metals on earth on our shoulders. Yeah, yeah. So I'm asking you, and God's going to like part the waters. They did it, and God parted the waters. And so the Israelites erected standing stones, pillars there to remember their crossing. And Joshua also built a standing stone when the covenant was renewed at Shechem. And so I want to talk about this thing of these memories or these standing stones, these pillars. And I'd like to kind of frame it in a New Testament story. So I wonder if you mind turning with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. And we're going to read from verse 16 to verse 30. Acts chapter 16. From Acts 16, from verse 16 to 30. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews. They are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs that are unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. Then it escalates. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. 
When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed, it was load shedding, and um, <laughs> rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And friends, when we look through scripture, it's, it's fascinating that at one level, it's amazing to remember or to put up these standing stones about events in our lives that God does. But it's another thing to understand that what God, God's primary um, aim is not to do stuff for us, but to work in us and through us. God doesn't carrot dangle in front. God doesn't walk in front of us making the way easier so that we can find, you know, we find this easy path behind him. But God is interested in working in his saints and through his saints. And in the New Testament we taught, and we'll read the text in a moment, that God's ultimate aim is that he would make us into these standing stones for his glory. That others could see and go, what happened there? When they look at our lives, they go, what, what happened? Who is this? What is this? And then we're able to tell the story of what Christ has done. That we ourselves and at another level. So if that's not enough, God has called us also to invest and care for one another so that I'm investing in Duff so that he can become a standing stone for God's glory. Not just in me, but in his life as well. And it changes our perception on this thing. Where God is at work to... Tr who was it? St. Francis of Assisi, I think, who said... Oh, it's probably not St. Francis of Assisi, but it sounds fancy if you say it was him. <laughs> I can't remember who the guy is. But he said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Was it him? <gasps> Stoked. Anyway. <laughs> that guy, a wise man once said... And I, we do need to speak, friends. We need, do need to have words. But I feel like in this city especially, Johannesburg, there are so many people who've got so many big mouths with so many narratives, with so much stuff that we know, and everybody's talking. But, when we, but what this country, what our city, what the church needs is not people who've got big mouths, but people who have big lives that are established and rooted in Christ, that people see there is a foundation to this thing, that no matter what the storms come, it's 20 foot up, but it's 20 foot in the ground as well. It's rooted and it's established. And no matter what blows through, the stone gets wet, but it's still there. The stone gets hot, but it's still there. The stone gets electrocuted, by whatever, but it's still there. That it's able to stand. 
And so that's why I've called this morning the importance of not falling over. That God wants us to be the standing stone. So how do we do that? And I've got three very, very simple little points this morning. And I feel this is so key for us going into this year, friends, because, you know, the last couple of years have been a little bit tricky, right? There's been some stuff. There's going to be stuff this year as well, just going to be different stuff. And we can't live a reactive life going, oh, this is what's going to happen to me, therefore I need to establish this way. No, we establish beforehand. Christ has given us everything we need to establish for whatever comes. And it's so funny, we, I think we so often think about our roots as the wind starts to blow. We so often think about our sustenance and, and, the, and the water running in and when we start to feel dry and malnourished. But it's too late then. In the good season, that's the time to be putting down the deep roots. In the good season, that's the time to be feeding. When it's easy and it doesn't seem necessary, that's the best time to be with Christ. So here's the three things. Recognize, give thanks, and testify. Hallelujah. Right, let's start with recognize. When I look at this one, I think it would have been really, really easy when I look at the story for Paul and Silas to have got a bit down. It says in verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. They'd set a girl free who was demon-possessed. Hey, where's the naughty badge? Where's the thank you? They joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged and they were thrown in prison, the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Like how it's really, really difficult to look at that and go, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in my life, Lord. Just really, all the stuff Duff was praying just now. Lord, thank you that you've given us a hope and a future. Hallelujah. Thank you that you've gone ahead of us, Lord, and prepared a way. As I'm severely flogged, beaten with rods, and sitting with my feet in stocks for, for doing what he told me to do. And then Paul's sitting there thinking, was it because I was annoyed? Was it me? No, he didn't. And friends, I think one of the things that we, to be standing stones, to be pillars, we need the poise and the faith to recognize that God is at work right now. God is at work all the time. Just got to settle that. What our eyes tell us, what our ears tell us, what our fear tells us, God is at work right now. Recognize that God is at work in this season right now. And it's really hard because we are fed a narrative that health, wealth, and prosperity, God. The opposite, not God. But it's not biblical. In Psalm 66, David writes, Say to God, how awesome are your works. Because of the greatness of your power, your enemies will give feigned obedience to you. All the earth will worship you and sing praises to you. They will sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of God who is awesome in his deeds towards the son of men. Come and see the works of God who is awesome in his deeds towards the sons of men. And friends, it's an incredible discipline as a, as, a, as a Christ follower to be able to understand and see the works of God. And to understand and recognize the hand of God. But when we predetermine what God's hand looks like, or what God's voice looks like, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. That's when our life starts to track the seasons. 
Our lives are not meant to track the seasons of the world. The world's up, we're up, or the world's down. Our, our lives are meant to kind of cut through that. Don't have these euphoric, ridiculous highs. Also, don't have these like major, depressive, broken, nothing left, end of my world, lost Jesus, he's gone, lows. But somehow, one degree of glory to the next as we follow Jesus and see his hand. Lord, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Recognizing the hand of God. I had two voice notes this week from um, two friends in the church. One was a lady, and so she sends me this voice note. She's like, I was listening to your David and Goliath thing. I'm David and Saul thing, sorry. And she's like, you said like we've got to see people like God sees them. But she's like, some people, you just want to like. (laughs) And she's wrestling through like not the, 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 the nice, easy, happy stuff. She's wrestling through the what happens when it gets tricky stuff. So we talk about it. It's like, this is real. Because we do, when there's conflict and when relationships are tricky and that sort of thing. What do you do in that space? Wrestling through it. I want to recognize God, no matter what he's doing. I want to see his hand. Another guy messaged me and he's like, he's been wrestling through his, his, his workspace. And in his job, things are getting really unethical. And there's the potential for major ethics where he's going to have to change things, and he's going to have to go against his morals and what God's called him to do. And he's been, what do I do? He sends me a voice note. He's like, handing in my resignation to date 11, I'm done. I know God's got my future, but this is no longer righteous. I can't be involved in this. This is the hand of God. This is what God wants for me. I can see God's hand. Guys, this, is, this isn't like Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. Sunbeam, a sunbeam. We used to sing that at Sunday school. Another one of those horrific songs that we sang at Sunday school. <laughs> Worst theology. Proverbs 3.6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Acknowledge him. Recognize him. See him. Obey him. I believe this is such an important key as Christians. Recognize him each day. Allows me to grow in knowing his character and his power in my life. When we are confronted by our weaknesses, friends, it's not time to run away. Hey, my word, I'm such a horrible person. (laughs) When we are confronted by our weaknesses, acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. Lord, you've brought me to this place. I can see my brokenness and my weakness. Bring them to you, Lord. This is your hand at work in my life. I feel exposed. I feel embarrassed sometimes. When we are elevated and our heads get so big and everybody's blowing so much smoke up our backsides, we become like a helium balloon. (laughs) Acknowledge him. He will make our path straight. Acknowledge him. This is the hand of God in my life. Recognizing God at work in our lives, friends, is a choice. It's not a response. Something that we actively put in place. So recognizing God at work. Second thing quickly. Recognize second thing is to give thanks. I was thinking to myself, let's say I was walking down the street and there was this person who was demon possessed. And I cast a demon out of them. 
And then, next minute, I'm in jail. I've been beaten with rods and whatever and tied up in stocks. Just between you and me, and please don't let this go further in this room, I don't think you would find me at midnight singing hymns. <laughs> like I, I would be bummed. Seriously bummed. I would feel sad and have overwhelming sadness. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I might be humming, at the, if I was really spiritual, just praying under my breath in tongues. These guys were singing so loudly, the other prisoners were listening to them. I'm like, what? Recognize, give thanks. Guys, you know how many times have we been load shed? But as the electricity goes off in our house, my heart falls. <laughs> Still. I get bummed about the electricity going off. I'm not saying at that, at that moment I should spring out into song. You know? <laughs> Our God is an awesome God. Woohoo! Maybe we should, babe. When things in my life go slightly sideways for me, go slightly sideways for me, is the first thing I go to Thanksgiving? And I've written here, no. <laughs> because what on earth am I meant to be grateful for in this situation? This sucks. And then the question is, well, what on earth were Paul and Silas meant to be grateful for? This guy, A.B. Simpson, I don't know who he is. Hopefully he was a good oak. But he wrote this thing, which I thought was really profound. He said, God calls us to live on the heavenly side and to look at things from above, to contemplate all things as God sees them, as Christ beholds them, overcoming sin, defying evil, dissolving perplexity, lifting us above trials, separating us from the world, and conquering the fear of death. God is not looking for extraordinary characters as his instruments, but he is looking for humble instruments through whom he can be honored throughout the ages. It is not possible to be grateful looking this side, but when we look at things from his side, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me. Mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a forever truth. That is not a situational truth. And when this is my confession, when this is my thanksgiving, then it doesn't matter the season. There is something to be grateful for. There's a little line in there that is central to everything. It just says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's it. That's enough to be grateful for, friends. He's with me. Who is with me? Christ, who reveals to me this incredible father that Duff was talking about, and who was at work at me through the power of the Holy Spirit to transform me 
and to make me effective in the mission that he's given me. I always have purpose. I always have identity. I always have security. I always have belonging. I always have provision. I always, 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 because he is with me. There is a lot to be grateful for. I love what Jesus says when the disciples come back, you know, they've been out there kicking ass, shooting demons and, you know, spraying them Ghostbusters style. Like, woo, they come back and they're like, oh my word, even the spirits submit to us. It was amazing. Just, they just saw us coming and just saw the cloud. God, the back end of the town, all the demons ran away. When we arrived, it was awesome. And Jesus says in Luke 10, 20, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. For you are with me. That's what's important. He knows your name. He knows my name. He holds me in his hand. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. You know what that means? When you fall down, you fall into his arms. It's not like we're hanging, dangling there, fires of hell licking at our feet. And if you hold on long enough, you get to go to heaven. Fall into his grace. This is the text that I mentioned earlier. Revelation 3.12 says, To him who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. To him who overcomes. Overcomes what? Overcomes the discomfort of the season. I like this. It feels weird. Overcomes the opportunity for offense. All day, every day, opportunity for offense. I love the Greek word for offense, scandalon. Do you know what it means? A box. That's all it means. When you get offended, it's like a box just fell on your head. And you just lose all perspective. The lights went out and you're just walking around, walking into things. Everything else is everybody else's fault. There's a simple solution. <laughs> Take the box off, you know. But that requires an action. Overcoming. Overcoming the fear of the situation I find myself in, and that's very real. Those of you who are providers in your family, the fear of provision. Maybe you're looking at your children and you're thinking, what on earth? We didn't raise them like this. Maybe it's tricky. Maybe it's a hard space. Overcoming the necessity of fighting for my rights. Friends, there does come a time, and I'm not going to get into this now, there comes a time we have to stand for truth in the face of whatever's going on in the world. But I'm talking about these personal rights and you and my thing and your thing and out there, social justice warrior on every topic that's available. Just all the peace is gone. Pillars starting to fall over. The ground just gets marshy because we aren't rooted and established in Christ. We're trying to root and establish in our convictions. And here's the crazy thing, and this is the worst thing about this text, because it says, to him who overcomes, and I realized this, that how can there be any overcoming if there's never any obstacle, burden, or issue in front of us? Overcoming requires something to overcome. And that's why we can be grateful. Well, thank you for this. You are with me. We will endure. We will overcome. We will fight them on the beaches. <laughs> I love this mic. It's just, you can do all the, anyway, whatever. And then the last one, finish with this, is testify. Recognize, give thanks, and testify. 
They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. Quick one. They could have got offended with that guy. When he was about to kill himself, they could have been like, well, serves him right. He tied us up in here, stuck us in stocks, waited for him to kill himself and then be like, served him right. Got what was coming to him. But they chose to testify, don't hurt yourself, Christ. Didn't ever make it personal. And then in verse 40, when they get out of jail, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. They encouraged them. They didn't expect everybody to sympathize over them and make them into superheroes and go, wow, you're so special. Look what you did. You, you, you cast out a demon. You didn't get offended. You led everyone to Jesus. Paul, how do you do it? No. They encouraged those in the household. They lived their life this way. They were testifying. They had a message. They had a story. They had a, something that they'd received from God that was going to be good for others. So what speech is most regularly found coming out of our mouths? How do we speak of God in his ways? If I had to audit it, how's my, testim how's my testimony? My testimony. <laughs> How is my testimony? How is my story? How is my, what I'm speaking to others about what God's doing in my life? Because so often when I lose and it's going badly, I'm really get bummed, right? Going back to the load shedding thing. Like, I really get sad about it and I moan and I complain. I find myself in this rut. And when I win, I've done well, boy, am I, uh, uh, am I the hero in the story. I speaks. I did this and did that and with God, but hallelujah, I did this and that and the next thing. But our testimony, our testimony friends, no matter the season, God is good. God is at work. God is with me. If God be for me, who can be against me? This is active stuff. And this is how the pillar stays straight and embedded in the ground. Because always it points to Christ. Sometimes we don't just talk about ourselves. Sometimes we can talk about people. We can talk about our church. We can talk about our pastor or our preacher or some other leader in our lives. But then the stone starts to point somewhere else. And it falls over importance of not falling over i could testify about so many incredible things that happened this week friends that people just messaged me like crazy stuff incredible incredible stories this week another guy sent me a voice note testimony and um he said he was at, he went to connect group and there was this other guy who came to connect group and he hadn't been to connect group in a while so he came to connect group and then one of the other guys at the connect group so it's, I know it's follow the story though this guy was talking about another two people and this other guy came and he said he watched as the one guy spoke to the, the guy who just arrived as he spoke to him truth strong truth not hard not nasty just this is the truth he said he watched God work in this person's life he said it's like like watching someone grow another leg like it just it the transformation in front of his eyes He's like, it's insane to see God working in someone's life, to see God accomplishing what he's doing. Just couldn't wait to tell someone. Send me a voice note. Testify of the goodness of God. We were singing about it a little bit earlier today. Friends, I believe this year we need to be careful 
with our narrative. It's time to change the narrative. We need to recognize God and give thanks for what he's doing. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Center Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing day.